also in Christ Jesus. Philippians 2 and 5. Who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I want to read this again in your hearing tonight. And I want you to notice some very important words. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself would you please notice that in every case it mentions what he does to himself <coughs> not what some other did to him but what he did to himself let me repeat that. Listen. But made himself of no reputation. Took upon him, did it himself. No one else did it for him. He did it for himself. Took upon him the form of a servant. God. Oh, hallelujah. Oh. I want to use this sixth verse tonight. Talk to you a little bit. I don't really know why I feel this way tonight. I'd have no more idea who's in this audience. Nobody's told me. And maybe nobody here needs this. I don't know. Maybe I'm the one needs to preach it. And you just take a nap. Because if I catch you, I may throw a book at you, but anyhow. <laughs> Some way or another, I've made connection with the Spirit, and I feel like preaching this. And I hope I can make it clear to you, as I see it tonight, it's not always that easy to tell others what you see. But I'm going to do my best. And I've got a few notes written down here, the meaning of words that are important involved in this. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. That sounds like there's more than one, doesn't it? And those who teach more than one God use that scripture in their favor to say that there are at least two, and some say there are three, and then, of course, the 
Catholics has got the fourth one now. And it's a she-god. Of course, that is not strange at all to heathen doctrines because in the Old Testament, in the olden times, there was very common for them to have both male and female gods. And they actually believed that they reproduced gods. So Mary, the mother of Jesus, has been escorted to the throne and she is now in their eyes the fourth god. But this does not represent or infer that there are more than one God. Right. There is more. It's just one. I see one everywhere I look. And for a little while, if you'll allow me and give grant me the privilege, I want to preach on it. Hadn't preached on it so long. Who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now they say, you see there? Jesus Christ was equal with God. Or they say there were three co-equal, co-eternal, co-existent persons in the Godhead. This is not what that says, but they take it and they say that it... Uh, to them it teaches that. Let's see what it really says. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men being found in fashion as a man he humbled himself came obedient unto death even the death of the cross. The first thing we want to notice is the word being. Who being in the form of God. Being represents originality or what was he was originally. Who being or was already what he was to begin with. Who being in the form of God. The word being rendered, it looks back to the time before the incarnation and declares what he was then, what he was originally. Who be, who originally was God, who being in the form of God. Now notice, I've studied, there's two words here that you'll have to watch. And this will do you one God folks good to really try to grasp this because these are scriptures that are a little bit difficult at times to explain. And I don't claim that I'm all that smart, but I feel like the Lord has shown me some things about it. There are two words that the Greeks had for form, or two meanings, I should say. Form is used 
in two places, form of God, form of man. And form had two separate meanings to the Greek. One was it implied mere shape. For instance, a cloud had the form of a mountain. It was not a mountain, but it looked like a mountain. It was a cloud, but it looked like a mountain. That was one definition for form. The other definition was the reality discloses itself in the form, or it is the expression of an object's essential attributes. In other words, it was an expression of what it really is. Not just a cloud looking like a mountain, but a real mountain. And these two words are used, and if you don't understand it, these scriptures will be obscure to you and confused. Who being in the form of God. Now that word form does not mean merely shape as a cloud being in the shape of a mountain. That word means that he was essentially and truly and really God. I've got a translation here, the Amplified New Testament. If you haven't got one, it might do you good to get one. I like it myself. He translates this very scripture, and this is his explanation. Possessing the fullness of the attributes which makes God, God. In, in other words, he being in the form of God means that Jesus Christ originally was all that God was. He possessed all the attributes that makes God, God. And he possessed it originally. Who be, who originally was God. Simply what it means. The writer says he originally was God. Glory, had all the attributes. There was nothing left out. There was nothing subtracted. Jesus Christ was all that God ever was. And I intend to prove that he was the only God that ever was. Hallelujah. Not only did he possess all the attributes, in reality, to possess all the attributes of God would be to be the only God there was. You could not possess the attributes, the essential attributes of God, and be one of a party of gods. To possess the original, essential Attributes of God is to be the only God because God has no attributes to be divided. When you say God and his attributes, you said the only God there is. 
You couldn't divide him in no way. If you did, you suddenly took all the attributes. You took the attributes that makes him God away from him. If you divided him into more than one. So originally he was God. That's established. He had every attribute of the almighty God. He had almightiness. He had uh, uh, eternal power. He had all knowledge. He had all wisdom. He had all that God was and is originally. But now, and remember this, the attributes of that God was this. God is a spirit. Now Jesus Christ possessing the essential attributes originally, all the attributes of God, he possessed that attribute that he was a spirit. He was a spirit. He is a spirit. God is a spirit. The Bible says that. All right? Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now here's where it's confusing if you don't watch it. And oh, I'm telling you, I'm a feelings of good inside. See, I don't know what I'm going to say, and I'm about to explode before I say it. You just sit there. Take your nap if you want to, but I'm going to preach. Oh. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now remember the distinction between the two words, form and fashion. There's a word used, form. There's a word used, fashion. Form means that he possessed the essential attributes. Fashion means that he appeared to be something. Notice it said he being found in fashion as a man. They had to use a different word there because it was asked to the, the uh, people who looked at him. As they looked at him, they saw him to be nothing but a man. So they had to change it from form to fashion. Because to have said uh, being found in the form of a man would not have been altogether true. I mean, just leave it like that. The form of a man is all they saw him to be. Although he was that. He was essentially man as much as he was God. But they had to change it because to the human mind that saw him, they saw him only as a prophet, as a man. But he was more than that. Thank God he was more than that. And we're fixing to prove it. Who being in the form of God, originally possessing all the attributes that makes God God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Thought it not an injustice to deity to become humanity. Jesus Christ was not comparing himself, his person, to another person. As the Trinity doctrine would have you believe that there are three co-equal persons and this one person called Jesus Christ is co-equal with this person called the Father and co-equal with this person called the Son. That's not what this represented at all. Simply means this. God being what he was, being spirit, 
being omnipresent, being omnipotent, all the glory, all the honor, who only had immortality, dwelling in the light which no man could approach unto, who was the only potentate, the highest authority, the king of all kings, the lord of all lords, being that he did not feel that it would take away from his deity for him to become a man. It would not rob deity of any of its glory for deity to dwell in humanity. It would not subtract from his eternalness for him to become a man with limitations and time conscious. It would not take away from his knowledge for him to dwell in a human being with limited knowledge. It would not take away from his omnipresence for him to dwell in one person and for that one person to live on this earth for 33 years and a half. It did not subtract from any of the qualities of God for that one God to put on a coat of humanity and wear it among men. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Thought it not robbery to deity, to espouse to deity, humanity. It did not rob him to overshadow a virgin and miraculously conceive in her a seed that was not a product of a human. It was not the product of a man. It did not have blood in it that the man usually furnishes for the baby's body. Doctors declare that a child born in the world, the blood that flows in its bloodstreams is furnished directly by the father. The mother furnishes no blood. The father furnishes the blood. I have no arguments. I am not a doctor. I don't know about that. But I know about this baby. This baby, the blood that flowed in its bloodstreams, was a direct product, created product, of the divine, almighty, eternal Jehovah God. He overshadowed a virgin by the creative power that God has created in her the seed and made it to be the seed called a man. He made it to be a male. It was foretold that it would be a male by the mighty power of God overshadowing this virgin. And that human frame possessing flesh and bones and blood and brains and taste and sight and hearing and all the senses and sadness and sorrow and the possibilities of all that a human has. Every possibility was there. Every one of them was there. But that did not take away from the greatness and the might of the Almighty One, not the Almighty Three, but the Almighty One who made it. It's simply this. The Creator got inside of what He created. The Creator indwelt His own creation. He made the body and got in the body 
And he said it didn't rob me of one bit of my glory. For in the book of John, John 1 and 1 said, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. The 14th verse said, Remember, the Word was God. And he refers us back again to the beginning, who being in the form of God, this says he was God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. 14th verse said, And the Word, our God, was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory as the glory of the only begotten of the Father. We looked at Him as the only begotten of the Father. Never had God created one like this. He reached and got a ball of mud and made a man out of it. He put in man the productive power to reproduce. He put it in man to be able to, to have children. And he gave him a wife and said, Now replenish the earth. And there were children born through that means that God formed and God made. But never had there been one made on the order that he made this one. Therefore it was called the only begotten. It was begotten in the womb of a virgin by the overshadowing of his omnipotent, glorious power. But it didn't subtract one thing for this lowly Nazarene as the carpenter's son, born in a manger, outcast, talked about, ridiculed, looked on as filth, called a devil, called Beelzebub, or at least the son of Beelzebub. In every respect, he was outcast from society. Dwelt with fishermen and lowly men that were one time lepers and sick and lame and afflicted. But no matter if his touch was a common touch, it made no difference if his association was that of the lowly, poor, poverty-stricken. His dwelling was that of those that dwell alongside the fools, lame and afflicted. But do you think that robbed any of his deity? When it came time for him to stand on front of a boat and that boat was about to sink because of a tempestuous wave and the winds blowing, don't you know it didn't subtract one thing from his deity for him to be a man asleep in that boat when he got ready and was aroused? My Bible said he stood on the front of that boat and not one ounce of his deity was hindered. There was no change put on him. It didn't rob any of his power from him. He just simply spoke through that human frame and said, Peace, be still, and deity came alive. It did not rob him. Standing at the tomb where his friend had died and was buried and was already well on his way to decay and the odor had already set in my Bible says Jesus wept can you imagine now this scripture has to be explained if this was the only God there was you would normally think him standing at a tomb weeping would have taken away from his deity and strength but it didn't. 
He's standing here as a man weeping. But it did not subtract any of the power of life and life-giving substance that he had when it came time and they got that stone out of the way. He wiped his tears back. He got his handkerchief out or what a shawl or something and wiped them back out of the way and thought it not robbery to be equal with God, thought it no injustice to deity to indwell humanity. Now he's wiping the human tears away and the very Almighty who indwelt him now comes alive and he says, Lazarus, come forth. He did not rob him. It did not rob him, I say. Thank God he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He espoused a human body. It became his tabernacle. It became his dwelling place. It became the veil which he covered himself with. It was the coat that he wore. It was the power of his earthly ministry manifest through that one human body and did not do a thing to his throne, his majesty, his eternalness, his greatness, his kingdom still, though hanging on a cross, you would think look like that would really do an injustice to deity. No, no, no. Hallelujah. Friend, him hanging there looked like his kingdom has come to an end. If he's God, the Bible said his kingdom has no end. And it looks like here it's all ended. But no, no, no. Stripes and scars and bruises and a sword and death itself did no injustice to deity because after the third day that great almighty God who indwelt that human body went back and got that body and brought her out of the tomb, rolled the stone away and brought him out and got him in it and glorified it and took it to glory with him. It did no injustice to his deity for him to become humanity and not only humanity but the Bible said he became a servant I'm about to fly away. Glory to God. Hallelujah. If I had a half a wing tonight, I'd fly. Oh, when I think about him and what he's done. You see, it wouldn't matter half as much to me. In fact, I'd feel a little bad if I thought there were three co-equal persons all having the same body, the same possibilities, the same feeling, the same power, the same knowledge, the same everything. And then for one of them to look at the other and say, you go die. I'm going to stay up here. And they called him the father. Him having a co-equal body with the son. Of course, the co-equality suddenly fades. When you name one father and one son, you've taken right. away their co-equality. You'd have to name all three of them father or name all three of them son or you're right. taking away their equality. Right. But now here's a father. Brother Lawrence, just say now, it's, I don't see how it's possible, but just say that your son was as old as you are. That's, that's the idea that, that father, son, Holy Ghost co-equal in existence. There was never a time that there was one without the other, which means the father and the son was the same age. 
All right, let's just say that old uh, Tidy is the same age as you. And uh, you're sitting here, a heavenly committee, and there's somebody got to go die for all this bunch of people down there. They're all going to hell. And you're the father. And you are exactly the same as your boy. Same age, you look just exactly like, couldn't tell one from the other if you didn't identify yourself. Go equal in every respect. And you was to say to Tidy, Tidy, I'm telling you, son, I want you to go die. I'm going to give you my only son. And you go die now. I'm going to sit up here in the comforts and confinements of immortal bliss while you go die. Can you imagine a daddy sending his boy? If the boy had the same possibilities or he had the same possibilities as his boy. Friend, the answer to that is so confusing unless you understand these scriptures that God in his original attributes could not die. In his essential attributes had no death in it. He could not have died. No matter what happened, he could not have died. Let the sun go out. Let the stars all fade away. Let the earth dissolve. Let there be no angels. Let there be no cherubims. Let there be no cherubims. Let all the oxygen fade. Let he would still live. But you see, that God had to take on himself a form that could die. And that form was nothing but humanity. And so that invisible God that was called a spirit and was a spirit made himself a form, a body that could die and yet still be associated and blended, blended, I said, with immortality and deity. You see, it's like this, and I, I like this. Deity are God and humanity fused into one body, One spirit entered one body and the Godhead was fused in one body. Not confused, but fused. Right. The world would have it confused into three, but he was fused in one. Hallelujah. The spirit indwelt man, humanity. That's why you look at it and it looks like two persons. But if you understand it, God and the man Christ Jesus had two natures. As a man, he wept over Lazarus. As God, he raised him. As man, he slept in the boat. As God, he calmed the troubled waters. And where is the co-equality? Please tell me. Now here are three gods. Look just alike. Same age, same hairlines, same color of hair, identical in every respect. Now pardon me, but I want to use these three books. If you'll please forgive me, I, I know this is not God, but uh, I just want to show you. Some. See, there's three books, all of them look just like, got the same pages, page number, same song, same contents same color, the same quality paper, 
made by the same company, everything, they're same. Three books. All right. This we're going to call God number one, which is God the Father. We put him in the center. That's generally what they think of when they think of the Trinity, is the Father sitting in the midst. This is God number two, called God the Son. And this is, uh, well, let's see, uh, facing you, that be facing you, he'd be on the right side. God number two. And this is God number three, the Holy Ghost. Now, I've never been able to establish in my mind at all if this one is Father and this is Son. Now, what kin this one is, I don't know. I don't know if he's an uncle or what. But uh, I haven't figured that one out yet. But anyhow, he's there. And uh, co-equality is broken down immediately by calling this one Father and this one Son. Because in no respect can you say that a son is identically equal to his father. I don't care if he looks so much like him, you'd say he's just like his dad, but you can't say he's identical. You can't say he's co-equal. He's not the same age and, uh, and all of that. He's not the same height. He's not the same. Just, just, you just can't say it. But anyhow, all right now, let's go. Here they are, the heavenly committee. And here is the Father telling this God number two to go die. Why didn't he go himself? How come the Holy Ghost didn't go? They all had the same body. We're just, we're using the language of the Trinity. Why didn't the Holy Ghost go die? The thing that's so confusing about it all to me is this. Now, they declare this is God number one, God the Father. They declare him Father of God number two, called Jesus. When the Bible declares that God number three overshadowed Mary and that that was conceived of her was of the Holy Ghost. So the Father of Jesus ceases to be, according to Scripture, ceases to be God number one, but is in fact God number three. And yet they call this one the Father. Now, I don't know if he's a title stealer or just what happens there. But the Bible declares this Holy Ghost to be the Father of Amen. Jesus Christ. Amen. It's in your Bible Amen. that the Holy Ghost overshadowed Mary. That that was conceived of her was of the Holy Ghost. Amen. All right. Now then. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made of himself no reputation, took upon himself the form of a man. He actually became man, not just the fashion or the image of a man. He became man. He was not acting a part. This is not an immortal being on earth acting like a mortal. Friend, this is an immortal deity actually becoming in reality humanity. He's not playing like he's a man. He is a man. He's not on a stage acting a part out. He is a man. Hallelujah. So much so he weeps. He hungers. Now here, co-equality. Co-equal. Co-equal. That means this one doesn't know anything but what this one knows. They all three know everything that every one of the others know. 
we read that God number two, so-called. The Bible doesn't ever mention God number two. And let me tell you something else. Write this down if you, if you, if you can't remember it. The Bible never says God the Son. Amen. Not from Genesis Amen. to Revelation Amen. does it ever mention God the Son. It mentions Son of God, but not God the Son. But here's God the Son, so-called, God number two. And the Bible said he grew in wisdom and in stature. <laughs> Lord, if here is a God co-equal with another God growing in wisdom and in stature. God number two. Here is God number two saying, I don't know the time of the second coming. Only the Father knows. Yet this one is co-equal with this one in knowledge and every respect. All of a sudden, he lost his co-equality and didn't know something that this one knew. And the poor Holy Ghost is not even mentioned. Very few times is he mentioned. I don't know what he's doing all this time. His son is dying and they're sitting up there. I don't know what kin they are. I don't want relation, but anyhow. Here is... A God, number two, of Jesus Christ, sleeping. And the Old Testament says, Jehovah never sleeps. One of the co-equal gods is taking a nap and the other one never sleeps. Never. Here is God number two praying, mind you, to God number one, so-called. <coughs> it's God number two praying to God number one. On the cross in the garden at the tomb of Lazarus, he says, Father, and Father, and Father, and Father, and help Somebody says, see that? There's more than one God right there. Is it? God number two praying to God number one. Do you know what suddenly happened to this God right here when he prayed to another God? He ungodded himself. Can you imagine one co-equal God with the same power as another God turning around asking that other God for something? Why didn't he do it himself? What is the explanation? Where is the co-equality? What's the matter with the with these gods? One of them knows something and he hasn't told the other. And here's one in need of something and he's a calling on the other. Friend, it does not mean at all three persons. One God with many manifestations. Hallelujah. And no manifestation of God subtracts from his deity. If he wanted to become a snail, it wouldn't subtract from his deity. 
If he wanted to become a cloud, and he did, it didn't subtract from his deity. He was still God. This invisible spirit did went to a closet, as it were. It's like I went to a closet tonight and got this coat and put it on. And I'm going to wear this coat till I go back to my trailer and I'll pull it off and put it on a hanger and hang it back in the closet until I get ready to use it again. The invisible God could not be seen. The Bible said no man has seen God at any time. No man has seen God at any time. He's invisible. He's a spirit. And he wanted to walk among men. And he wanted to talk to men. And he wanted to die for men. So he became or put on a coat of human flesh. And wore that coat for 33 years and a half. Hung it on a hanger at Calvary. Put it in a closet for three days and nights. Went back and got it and glorified it, put it on and glorified it and carried it to glory with him. And that's the only God you will ever see is what dwells in Jesus Christ. For my Bible said the Godhead bodily dwells in Jesus Christ. It pleased the Father that the Godhead should dwell in him. As the voice spake over John, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I'm pleased to dwell in him. And it doesn't subtract from me at all. For that earthly part of God, the man, you see, when, the, when God took upon himself this form of man, he blended deity with humanity. And that's why the scripture says, let us make man. Let us make man. There's no three gods there. They're not talking together in a little committee. Folks have got committee, gone committee crazy. They think you can't do nothing without two or three around talking about it. They think God couldn't do nothing without at least two more gods, two or three more gods are standing around there reasoning about it. This one God, my Bible says, he counseled with himself. He counseled with himself. Praise God. And spoke of things that were not as though they were. He looked 4,000 years ahead. And saw that he was going to make a body. And get in that human body. And speaking of a plan that was in his mind. He communicated 4,000 years ahead. He spoke of things that were not as though they were. Not only that. But he reached up and got heaven. And reached down and got earth and made a man out of it. He could have been talking to the earth. It don't have to be talking to another co-equal God. Let us make man reached and got a ball of heaven and a ball of earth and fused it together and made a man out of it. There's no three there. There's only one to deal with. He's never been divided. To divide him is to take away his almightiness and his deity. You subtract God and break him up in pieces and he ceases to be God. A God that's not all God and a God that's not the only God ceases to be God. Hallelujah. Right. And that's why to make this Hallelujah. God number two, to make him God number two and him praying to God number one, he suddenly ungodded himself and became right. less than a God. 
no wonder Uncle Billy said it. You just have to have faith. I, I didn't take a lot of faith to put all that together. I just haven't got that kind of faith. If it takes faith to get all that put together in one, I'm just be lost. I'd be all because I, I can't get the, the Holy Ghost is the Father of Jesus. And besides that, Brother Lawrence, got a Bible handy, get Revelations the first chapter, and let's see what God number two is saying about himself. Read the eighth verse, and then go over and read the 17th of the first chapter. Now let's look at it. These are three gods, and, and I've actually heard folks express this. In fact, I heard a preacher the other day on the radio talking about it, I believe, that uh, there's a uh, I get kind of confused sometimes. I get uh, given all the attention to one and gets feeling bad and start talking to the other one. I've actually had people tell me that. Brother Bean, when I believe there was three, said I'd get ashamed of myself. I'd be talking to Jesus all the time. I get thinking, I need to talk to the Father God. I need to talk to the Holy Ghost. They're being jealous gods. Claro, claro. 
I'm the first one and I'm the third. He's God number two and God number one and God number three. Hallelujah. I'm the first one and I'm the last one. Right. And they declare him to be the second one. Uh -huh. So he's all three of them. He declares himself. Either he's a title stealer or he's the only God there is. If I get to heaven and I'm suddenly astounded by looking and seeing three thrones and three sets of eyes and three heads of hair and three bees sitting there. First of all, I'm going to blush a little bit. But then I'm going to gain my composure and I'm going to walk up to this one that's over here on the right, God number two. And I'm going to bow and say, pardon me, Jesus. But you know I preached you as the only God up here. Now, if you thought I did an injustice, you'll have to forgive me, God number two. Because you yourself said that you was the first one and you was the last one. And you yourself said you were the Almighty. And you yourself said, He that has seen me has seen him that sent me. And you yourself said, He that has seen me has seen thee, Father. Now, Jesus, pardon me for teaching there wasn't but one of you up here. But you shouldn't really blame me, should you, Jesus, when you yourself said, I and my Father are one. When you yourself said, thank God besides me there is no Savior. When you yourself said, I am God, I changed not. Before me there was no God formed. Neither shall there be after me. Pardon me, Jesus. I preached you as the only one up here. Because the word said there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. And these three are one. Pardon me, Jesus, but I thought there was one up here. But the reason I did was the Apostle Paul said... To us there is but one God, the Father. And pardon me, Jesus, but I thought there was only one of you up here because the prophetic statement concerning your birth, they called you the everlasting Father. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. The son I'm talking about, the child born. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Pardon me, Jesus, but I thought there was only one, one, one. I said there was one body. I said one spirit indwelt that body. Pardon me, Master. I'm embarrassed a little bit. But I must say it was your own word. You said, my father that dwelleth in me, 
He doeth the works. make it there and there are three I want to have this conversation with Jesus and uh, I want to also have him explain to me were you a title stealer or were you the almighty were you the first and the last or was that something you was making a claim that was not true? You see, when I look here and say I'm the first and I'm the last one you'll ever see, it looks to me like there's no room for anybody in between. And when he says there was none formed before me and I'm just going to see to it there's none formed after. Alpha, Omega, beginning and the ending. First and the last. I'm the one which is, was, and is to come. And anywhere in between there, I'm still almighty. Hallelujah. Now you'll just have to pardon Holy. me, Jesus, because I taught you as the only one of you. And the reason I did is your word says that you stretched out the heavens by yourself. Okay. Now you'll have to pardon me, but all I understood about that was there wasn't nobody. In fact, you went on to say there was none with Hallelujah. So now where was them other two gods at? What did you do with them when you was doing all this, when you said to yourself you did it by yourself? Right. Oh, God. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, friend. When I get there, I'm going to see according to this Bible. John said, and I saw a throne. And one set on that throne. And his eyes looked like flames of fire. Had a rainbow about his head. And from his throne proceeded thundering and lightning and voices. Oh. And besides that, when he moves around from the throne John saw him again in another place and he described him said I saw one on a white horse and his vesture was dipped in blood and he had a name which no man could name save he himself if there was two of them up there beside him they couldn't even name the name it was just him that could name it. and another thing let me I've got to hurry here I guess but I'm having a time of my life No wonder we baptize in one name. The prophet said there, Zechariah 14, said in that day there shall be one Lord and his name one. And the word of the Lord said to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. God in Christ 
reconciling the world to himself. Which strictly means that the God that was in Christ reconciled the world to himself. Right. He reconciled Amen. the world to the deity that dwelt in Jesus. Which means if there are two more, the world is yet to be reconciled to the other two. The world has been reconciled to only one deity, to the deity that dwelt in Jesus. There will have to be two more Calvaries if there's two more gods to reconcile this world to the deities that dwell in the other two. We're in a predicament. We're only reconciled to one of a heavenly committee. Two against us. One for us. And according to the democratic system, we're outnumbered. We've got yet to be reconciled to the deities that dwell in the other two, if there are. Friend, there are no other deities. Thank God. To claim other deities. A deities is actually blasphemy. Hallelujah. If Jesus Christ is not the all the God there is, friend, this whole Bible is a mess of confusion and lies. They are making claims. There are claims made, rather, that refer to him and him alone. Reconciling the world just to him. Why just to him? Why reconcile just to the boy? I've actually heard it taught that the father reached out in the backyard of heaven trying to make it sentimental and got his son out of the backyards of glory and said, Son, you go die. can't imagine a daddy running his son off to do the dying. Why didn't he go die himself? Friend, if there's three co-equal persons, I'm going to have to charge the father with guilt of being unmerciful to his family. But the explanation is this. Deity couldn't die. 